0: Well, good morning, Faith Covenant. Good morning. What a thrill and a privilege it is to be here with you all today. I am um, oh wait a minute, that's not what we want to do. Hold on. I just I keep track, and this is not a sanctuary with a clock in the back, which is worthy of note, so I would encourage you to uh, consider that addition to this oh, why am I not seeing it? Oh, okay. So it's a countdown. Oh, it's exactly what I need. It's going to tell me exactly when to wrap up. You know, forgive me for showing a little bias, but, you know, I have found as a female preacher that sometimes if a man goes long, he's brilliant and inspired. And if a woman goes long, well, I'll leave it unsaid. So it's a true honor and privilege to be with you all today. I was so tickled that Pastor Nate called and asked and uh, I knew that he had been preaching through Isaiah and so today we're gonna visit the call of Isaiah and and, uh, Jenna has read the scripture so nicely for us. Thank you, honey. And uh, we are going to dig into that message. But before we do that, I just want to not only ask you again to pray for Pastor Nate. Uh, Scott and I have been, uh, just have concluded 42 years of teamwork in pastoral ministry in five covenant churches across the country. And we, of all people, understand how important it is to have those chances to get away. And we did an extraordinary thing a few weeks ago. We went to Florida in December, before Christmas, during Advent. That was kind of an unheard of, we'd never done that before and it was was a wonderful experience. I know that Scott would love for me to add also that though he retired from uh, from the pastorate at Naperville Covenant recently so we've been your neighbors for quite a while that's why you haven't seen us because we had a place to be every Sunday morning for the last 10 years but he is now serving as the interim director of Covenant Kids Congo and I know that this church has been supportive in a variety of ways particularly with the run Uh, and so I want to encourage you if you want to just visit or get an update on Covenant Kids Congo Scott is here and he would absolutely love to talk to you about that well I also want to commend you Faith Covenant because uh, for Scott and me over the years in pastoral ministry we call this particular Sunday the one between Christmas and New Year's we call it that Sunday you know it's that Sunday All the hoopla is over, and all the energy seems to have drained. But boy, you guys, you did not drain the energy today. Thank you for this wonderful and refreshing worship. But I would say that in some of the churches we've served, it was that Sunday. But here, it's this Sunday, right? And it's time to engage in the word of God. So I am grateful for that. As we begin to look at Isaiah's call, It is an amazing, truly amazing story. And it is my hope to take you there to help us see some of the lessons and the opportunities, the things that we can learn from this incredible experience of Isaiah's. And it is my hope that we would see this through the lens of Isaiah's worship. So if you're using that little outline, you can just write these down in the back, but write them with space so you can fill them in. Isaiah's worship, Isaiah's woe, Isaiah's washing, and Isaiah's willingness. I learned from a great preacher that if we can make it memorable, it's more likely to go out the door with you, isn't it? (laughs) That great preacher is my husband. Isaiah's worship, woe, washing, and willingness. And I hope that we can get a sense of what God is doing in the life of the prophet Isaiah to prepare him for an extraordinary ministry do you know that isaiah is the most prolific of the prophets and really only two books in the bible are longer than the book of isaiah he had a poetic uh fashion to his prophecy he was educated skilled scholars believe that he may even have been the cousin of that king uzziah whose death he notes in the beginning of this passage, and he most likely could have been even raised in the royal household, or he certainly visited and hung out there fairly often. And it's interesting to me that he opens this passage with the death of Uzziah. He is marking this moment in real time. And you know how we do that? You know, we do that like, ah, let's see, honey, was it before or after the twins were born? Well, we can't remember anything after the twins were born, so it must have been before, right? Or was it after we got the new Chevy, or was it before? You know, we mark moments in time like that, and that's what Isaiah is doing here. It was in the year that Uzziah died. Now, Isaiah had served under multiple kings, and Uzziah... served for 52 years as the king of Judah. So he's been around for a while. Imagine, friends, the void that the people of Judah feel. Imagine the void that Isaiah himself feels as he thinks about this. King Uzziah is dead. What is going to happen? Well, a transition will take place. But we know that Judah is in bad shape. And it's interesting to me that the first five chapters of Isaiah are a whole lot of woe and judgment and horror and a depiction of the terrible sins of God's people. And Isaiah is detailing these in great detail. In fact, he even says these people, I, I love this, he says these people uh, they like kind of have an advanced degree in drinking and in wickedness. In uh, chapter 5, 22 and 23, says that, Jew, that it is a mess and the people are corrupt. They are heroes at drinking wine. They take bribes and let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. Those of us who know about the justice of God, and I know that Pastor Nate preaches often about that to you folks. We know that just those three things are enough to mortify God. They're enough to stir the anger and wrath of God. And so many times, what does God do when he's angry with his people, when he is disappointed? In his love, yes, in his love, because he can see how badly these people need the opportunity to repent, to return to him, to live the way he wants them to to, to live, and to experience that joy. So into this moment for the people of Judah, God sends a prophet, a very special prophet. He sends Isaiah. So Isaiah gets right down to business. He says, yeah, it was that year, it was when Uzziah died, but I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord, says Isaiah. Now we know nobody can look on God and live, right? And so he says he saw the Lord, but actually he had an incredible experience. And I want to take you into that place of worship. Now this is a lovely place of worship. And I love these clear story windows that just flood this place with light. But have you ever been in a place so huge, so vast? I think of the train station in Kansas City, I haven't been downtown in Union Station for a long time, so I can't cite that, but in Kansas City, that train station is so huge, there's kind of microclimates up there. It's so big and so vast. And I think about that kind of space when I think of Isaiah coming in to the throne room of God and seeing the Lord. He doesn't actually see the Lord, does he? He sees the train of his robe. Now this isn't some white flowy, flowy thing that's just filling uh, the room with pillowy clouds of fluffy white stuff. No, it would be the embroidery work, the hand, the careful hand-tooled administration of the most beautiful artwork we could ever see. And it's really probably only the train of the robe. Holy God, seated on this throne. And this is a picture, friends, that we get of the fastness, the greatness, the hugeness of our God. He is high and lifted up. He's seated on the throne. And the train, just the hem of his robe, fills the whole space. And Isaiah is standing there in this moment in complete and total awe. Now, I don't know about you, but that to me would be an incredibly scary moment, would it not? I mean, it'd be wonderful, right? Like so many things we experience in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes the scariest things are also the most wonderful and we learn we really don't need to be that afraid. But if I was Isaiah in this moment, I think I would be filled with such awe, such wonder. And yes, a little holy righteous fear. (laughs) Kind of maybe a little knee knocking and shaking in my proverbial boots because I'm in the presence of almighty holy God. And I get the sense that Isaiah has barely, barely gotten his mind wrapped around that. And all of a sudden he realizes there are creatures in the room. Like a lot of them. And I think they have to be pretty big. I mean, part of my fictional mind wants to picture them as these little tiny things flying around, but I think they have to be big because they're making big noise, big sound. Although I'll say after having all five of our grandchildren all day yesterday, little things can make big noise. I would say that. But the room is filled with seraphim, Now, friends, I'm a little bit of a detail nerd, a little bit of a factoid nerd, so i got to tell you a little about the seraphim. Some of you might know, but some of you might not know that this is the only place in all of Scripture where seraphim are mentioned. We have cherubim, we have angels, we have archangels, we have all kinds of heavenly creatures, but only here in the throne room in this picture do we see the seraphim. Think about it. Heavenly creatures made by God himself for the purpose only of glorifying and magnifying and worshiping God. Now I have a whole other message I can preach on what we can learn from the seraphim, and I'll spare you that today. But the seraphim give us a beautiful example of creatures made to worship God. So here is poor Isaiah. He's just getting a a picture of the, the throne room, the hem of God's robe, and all of a sudden, there are creatures everywhere. Now, I don't know if they're zooming past him or if they're up there singing exalted praises to God, but they've gotta be a little bit unusual looking. Now, everywhere in scripture, when an angel visits, and we've just, of course, come through that story of the marvelous visitation of the angel, first to Mary, later to Joseph, and then a heavenly host of angels to the shepherds. So we know God is pretty good at dispatching his workers when he needs to, right? But here, he doesn't dispatch them. They're just there. They're there in the throne room, and they have six wings. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, wouldn't two wings do the job if they need to get around? But because these creatures are worship only, their whole purpose, they don't come with messages to us. They are just there to worship. They've got six wings. And Isaiah goes into a little bit of detail, doesn't he? With two, they cover their eyes. And we believe that is so that they cannot see God because they are humble and they are created in holiness and so they too know they cannot look on God and live. With two, they cover their feet. That's so God can't see them. Remember in biblical times, the feet are the ugliest, dirtiest, smelliest, worst part of our body and so with two, they cover their feet to not be offensive to almighty, holy, righteous God. And then they got two left over and with those, they can fly and I picture them flying all through the room, but they're not just flying, are they, friends? they are making a ruckus they are making a racket they are singing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty heaven and earth are full of his glory and it would be as if I got you guys you guys here starting to say that and then we add this group and this group and this group and this group and we all were saying holy 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 as loud as we could until we were sort of budging the rafters here well we could never do that could we thankfully this building is solidly built and I assure you that that throne room was solidly built those of you who have been to Israel and have seen those incredible huge blocks of stone that how did they ever engineer that you know that this was a a place that was secure and safe and yet The resounding worship of the seraphim is shaking the whole place to the point where Isaiah, I believe, might be fearing for his life, for it's moving. The floor is moving. There is smoke. Now, you guys don't use a smoke machine in this sanctuary, but there are plenty of sanctuaries you could go to today where there's a smoke machine. And I used to just think it was something they were cool, that people did just to be cool, you know, and probably some congregations do. But I also think that it reminds us of Isaiah's experience. The place is shaking, it's rumbling, it's rattling, this trisagion of holy, 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 and scholars believe that the repetition of that word three times is really reflecting the Holy Trinity. Even though it's God the Father Isaiah is encountering, we know that God is three in one and is dwelling there in that place and in that time and in that moment. Holy, 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 one holy for each of the parts of the Godhead. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And it's shaking And Isaiah is encountering this extraordinary holiness of God. I don't know for you what kind of experience you've ever had that brought you face to face with the holiness of God. And we've had wonderful worship here this morning. So maybe it's been right here in this sanctuary Or maybe it's been across the way at beautiful Eric Lake and the forest preserves in our area here. Or maybe it was worshiping somewhere else like at Chick or Triennial or somewhere else. But I know that nothing we could experience on this earth comes close to what Isaiah was experiencing. And friends, let's be certain we understand. Isaiah is experiencing the holiness of God. His worship is overwhelming him. And this is not an ecstatic moment for him. It leads to his woe. And I believe that when we encounter the holiness of God, we cannot help but, by contrast, experience our own sinful nature. Now, this is not an experience that's supposed to make us feel horrible about ourselves, that's supposed to riddle us with guilt, that's supposed to just make us say, Oh, what a worm I am! but rather one that helps us appreciate the holiness of a righteous and loving God who calls us into relationship with him. And so Isaiah, in this moment, encountering the holiness of Almighty God is, to use one of the the nuances of the Hebrew word, he is undone, woe is me, he says, I am undone. I can't put myself back together. I can't do it I have seen the holiness of God and I am undone and where is Isaiah undone what does he name as his signature sin I am a man of filthy lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips And all Isaiah wants to do is recognize that and get rid of his filth. Have you ever felt so dirty and filthy that you just cannot wait to get into that shower or that tub or that ocean or wherever it is that you need to get cleaned off? I think back to my backpacking days when you would go three or four days without bathing and start to feel pretty filthy. I don't think that even holds a candle to what Isaiah is feeling here because his filth is not physical. It's spiritual. We don't know the details. Why does he say filthy lips? Do people just, is it mostly their words that they are sinning with? I don't know. I do know an extraordinary thing happens to cleanse, to wash Isaiah of this filthiness one of these seraphim who still, by the way, are making an incredible ruckus and it's all happening right there, one of them goes to the altar We haven't heard anything about the altar being in here, but we know that there's incense and coal burning always in holiness and purity. Remember what a symbol for holiness and purity fire is, right? Like those of us who have gold wedding bands, we know that this was made into a band by being heated at a very high heat. And we know that all kinds, that knife that Matthias got, that bread knife, that was probably forged in heat. Um, and so we know that heat is used so here's the coal it's burning on the altar a seraphim grabs it now this is important the seraphim is vulnerable to the heat of that coal because he does not grab it with his angelic hand does he and i'm using the male gender we have no idea what their gender was he takes some tongs and he brings it toward isaiah now imagine that you are isaiah and a really crazy looking angelic being that is probably quite huge and you are overwhelmed with all the sound and the worship and the smoke and the energy in the room and then one of these creatures is coming at with you with something very very hot that can do a lot of damage to you how would you stand in in that moment perhaps only if you were overcome By the grief of your sin. And perhaps there was some way that Isaiah understood this is the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. But if I can stand in in this moment, God might bring good. The seraphim needs the tongs. (laughs) And so I'm thinking Isaiah, his lips not only are going to be cleansed, they're going to be closed because they're going to be burned to a crisp. And yet, somehow, they are not. And in the most wonderful, extraordinary moment, the seraphim touches his lips with a coal and says, Your sins are forgiven. Friends, I am confident there are some folks here that just need to hear that word. Because of the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which is functionally for us, that hot coal, your sins are forgiven. And if no one has ever told you that in a way that you can believe it, hear it today, please. Your sins really and truly are forgiven. And God would so much rather dispatch you as a person confident of his love aware of the forgiveness of your sins and ready to serve him. He would so much rather dispatch you in that way than with you dragging a pile of guilt and regret and shame behind you as you seek to serve him. Your sins are forgiven and it is important that you know that. This was an incredible moment for Isaiah. He got to stand there and smell what it smelled like and hear what it sounded like and see what it looked like. And then, at the moment when he was most despairing, the best news ever came to Isaiah. Your sins are forgiven. You are cleansed and you are healed. What a beautiful moment. And I don't know if the seraphim kind of took a dramatic pause at that point. Were they in awe? Doubtless, they are sinless creatures. And so what do they understand about this? We just know that Isaiah has his life-shaping, life-defining moment. And instantly, now, we hear the voice of God, three in one. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Let's notice again the beautiful referencing of the Holy Trinity. God says, Whom shall I send? But who will go for us? Us, three in one, unified, seated on the throne, in some way present in those moments. Who will go for us? You see, even though Isaiah has started and has already brought five chapters of judgment on these dear people, he's now prepared and God speaks. God speaks and clarifies this call. Now it's kind of funny that God says, who will go for us? Because who's in the room? Just Isaiah, right? I mean, there's no lineup of prophets standing there. There's not a group of people and God doesn't come and say, well, we've reviewed all of your resumes and we think we'd like to start with this group of five and then we'll narrow down to this group. It's Isaiah. And I love what Isaiah does in that moment. He does not stammer. He does not say, I couldn't do it, God. God. He doesn't say, well, you know, my wife is a prophet, too. I could go get her. Did you know that, that Isaiah's wife is a prophet as well? He perhaps looks and sees that there is no one else in line. And he says what I think God would have us say to God today. Here I am. Here I am. I'm all I've got. I'm just this one me in this one body, but now I'm cleansed. I've worshiped. I've experienced the woe of my sin. I've found out my sins are forgiven. Here I am. You could send me. And God's response is immediate. Yes, go. Now, if you read ahead in the chapter, you know that he says, yes, go. And then there's all kinds of judgment and condemnation that follows that's just sad and difficult and horrible to hear. Yes, go and tell my people how horrible they are over and over and over again and tell them I'm going to bring destruction and I'm going to punish them and I'm going to lay them to waste. Sadly, yes, God says that. And friends, at this moment, we must remember that God's judgment always comes because of his love. God's judgment always comes because of his love. He knows what a mess Judah is in. What a way to live being heroes at drinking alcohol and doing unjust active actions. And so he says, yes, Isaiah, go. I, Isaiah was prepared for this holy moment through his worship. He was prepared through his woe and sorrow over his sin. And friends, if you've never grieved for your sin, grieve for it. Because it is an offense to righteous, holy God. But it does not leave you there. He has been cleansed of his sin. And that's what we experience by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who came as that little baby in this season And lived and died and rose again so that we can stand together and say yes I know my sins are forgiven and then we're prepared to say here I am here I am God here I am I'm just me just little me and I'm in one embodied faith with just these two hands no wings just these two feet Weak as they may be or strong as they may be, young as I may be or old as I may be, hard of hearing as I may be, creaky and arthritic or filled with energy and passion. Wherever we are today, friends, God is asking you, who can I send? And he's dying for you to say, send me, send me. I don't know what God has to send you to. I don't know where he wants to send you. I know this church is passionate to reach its community, to serve well, to support your missionaries who are doing absolutely vital work around the world. But I also know that all of you have neighbors and family members and coworkers and students and teachers and colleagues and people who need to know the good news of Jesus Christ and God is just waiting for you to say send me what do I do with this gift I give it away I worship I feel my woe I get cleansed and washed with the heat of God's powerful love and I become willing to serve him let us pray